coming up on Philosophy Talk. Rachel Dolezal put in a lot of legwork for black people. She taught African-American studies. Right, right. She's raising black children. True. She even works for the NAACP. I never did that. Identity politics slices and dices people by race, gender, class, religion, sexual orientation. Is it any wonder that Americans are so divided and at odds with one another? There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. We're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other. Should we embrace or reject the politics of identity? Isn't what unites us more important than what divides us? Why can't we all just get along? Our guest is Tommy Shelby from Harvard University. Identity Politics, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. That's where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. 40 memorable years, I hope, John. Now today, we're thinking about identity politics. That's when people of a particular race, ethnicity, gender, or religion form political alliances and organize to defend their group's interests. You know, John, for my taste, we got way too much identity politics going on. All it does is deepen political divides. We got black versus white, straight versus gay, Jew versus Arab, Sunni versus Shia, and on and on. It's enough already. Can't we all just get along? Can't we focus on our common humanity and not on our differences? Well, not as long as our common humanity has led to some people being marginalized, victimized, oppressed because of their identities of who they are, what color they are. We need identity politics. How else are we going to combat the systematic killing of young black men or homophobia or sexism? or patriarchy, except through movements like Black Lives Matter, the gay rights movement, or women's movements. Well, yeah, but John, we've got to transcend our devices <laughs> of identities and not wallow in them if we want to get beyond them. That's the key. Transcending identity is the key to combating oppression. Ah, uh, haven't you read your Hannah Arendt? One can resist oppression, she said, only in terms set by the oppressor. She dismisses the idea that the oppressed can escape their oppressions by denying their identities as the stuff of, and I quote, cloud cuckoo land. Cloud cuckoo land. Now, that's quite a phrase. But look, I, I still <clears throat> think that this obsession with identity politics is a recipe for endless struggle and division. I just came back from a, a really eye-opening trip to Palestine and Israel. There, identity politics rules the day. But, you know, there's never going to be peace in that troubled region until the people there transcend their narrow identities and embrace their common humanity. Look, Ken, if I could wave a magic wand and make all identity-based oppression and political conflict go away, I would. But that ain't how the world works. Are you trying to tell me then that we're just stuck with like a Middle East where people with entrenched religious identities and an enduring sense of victimhood fight it out till the end of time? That sounds so depressing, so bleak, so hopeless, John. 
Well, it's not as hopeless as you think. Protestants and Catholics used to be at each other's throats. Think of the, you know, wars of centuries ago. Now they're at peace all over Europe. Even in Northern Ireland, things are getting along without violence. No, but that's not any thanks to identity politics. Identity politics was the source of the problem. It wasn't the solution. And look, look, and, and Europe, I love Europe, but think of what's going to happen in to Europe in the post-Brexit world, another example of identity politics gone amok, all those right-wing nationalistic movements sprouting all over Europe. You think that's going to lead to something good? You're you're thinking of Brexit as a as a example of identity politics. I, you know that's a stretch, Kim. No, no, nationalism is one of the worst forms of identity politics. It's based on a shared national identity, whatever that is. Well, maybe that's a special insight of Ken Taylor, but it's not what most people think of as identity politics. They think of movements that fight for the rights of those who are historically oppressed or marginalized because they have something more or less in common, like being black or being a woman. But how I don't know how much there really is in common between different black people. For example, take me. I'm a black guy, but I work at an elite university. I live in a nice house in a safe neighborhood. I have a very privileged life. Compare me to a poor, marginalized black woman who's a single mother working three low-paying jobs. She's got problems that I can only imagine. It's not our blackness that gives me sympathy for her. It's our shared humanity. Shared humanity is the thing that's essential. Well, uh, shared humanity may be what's essential. Uh, maybe these identities aren't based on essential commonalities, but on patterns of shared history and shared experience. More or less what Wittgenstein called family resemblances. In spite of your privileges, uh, you have a lot in common with that black woman, I'll bet, more, more than you might think. But I'm asking the question of whether that black woman, I imagine, wouldn't be better served, not by black solidarity, but by a strong labor movement that fought for higher wages and improved her material conditions, a strong labor movement that was independent of race and all that stuff. What does she gain, really? What does she gain from solidarity with a privileged black guy like me? Well, we, we all gain from any relation we have with you, Ken. Uh, <laughs> Except for this kind of either-or thinking that infects a lot of your thought. Sure, a strong labor movement might improve her lot in life. But that doesn't mean black solidarity. People out protesting the uh, police killing uh, black children. I mean, I'm sure she's all for that. Black solidarity has much to offer her, too. Well, look, it's a complicated thing. I'm not entirely convinced. And here's another reason. Uh, this notion of identity is actually fraught with problems. Uh, what, what if you have more than one identity? And what if those multiple identities are in conflict one another, with one another? What do you do then, John? Well, beats me, but we sent our roving philosophical reporter Shuka Kalantari out to speak with a woman who juggles many different identities, and she files this report. Shared identity brings people together. They fight for change, for social justice. After the death of over 50 people in a gay bar in Orlando in 2016, the LGBT community came out to support and honor the victims. In the Black Lives Matter movement, black Americans united to fight against institutionalized racism. Then there's religious identity. Catholics go to church together. Buddhists meditate together. Muslims look towards Mecca and pray when they hear this music. Allahu Akbar, Allah. 
but sometimes identities can overlap. Take the case of Red Summer. She's Muslim and black and a lesbian. I was married to <laughs> um, a Muslim minister and I didn't know a lot about the world. I didn't know much about my identity, but I knew that I just wasn't, it's like something wasn't right. Summer left the mosque the same year she left her husband. She had met a woman. She moved from Chicago to Atlanta, which had a much larger black LGBT community. But she wasn't able to fit in, especially when she mentioned she was Muslim. When I would express some of my upbringing to people, I would have a lot of like my really, you know, strong feminist friends. It's like, oh my gosh, like you've been oppressed, you've been like held down. And I didn't really feel that way. Summer couldn't be a part of the Islamic community in Atlanta because she didn't feel comfortable being an out lesbian among other Muslims. I felt like I was really living this double life and like in the closet in both of them. And it just felt inauthentic in both. Summer says using identity in politics can be productive. Just look at the fight for gay marriage. But even that can be polarizing. I was standing outside of the, the White House and my fiance and I at the time were celebrating and we were so excited and we were kind of faced with the people that were around us not looking like us. They were white men and, and often affluent white men. So if you are a poor black woman, like how much of that story uh, or that struggle includes you as well? Summer says many of her LGBT allies are against her being aligned with Islam while many of her Islamic friends see homosexuality as a sin. And many of her black friends don't trust her Muslim friends. Eventually, Summer decided it was time to find people who completely shared her identity. I was like, you know, let me find a group of Muslim lesbian women who are black. Like, this is Atlanta. I should be able to find a lot of them. It wasn't easy, but Summer did find a small handful of other women just like her six or seven women who I can have a conversation with and be absolutely authentic or not be an oddity. You know, it's not that every um, other community is, is against me, but sometimes you just want to be understood and not have to explain. Summer says it's natural for people to want to have community. But when community leads to ostracizing others, it's time to reassess our goals. In order to be for something, then people feel that you, you have to be against something else. And once you pick a side, then you have allies and you have adversaries. Red Summer says shared identity does bring people together, but it can also leave people out, especially if you're a black, lesbian, Muslim woman. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking. And thank you for supporting Philosophy Talk. On Sunday, February 17th, Philosophy Talk returns to the Marsh Theater in San Francisco for two new live recordings. Neuroengineering Beyond the Five Senses with neuroscientist David Eagleman. Authority and Resistance with political scientist James Martell. Tickets for either show are available at philosophytalk.org. That's Sunday, February 17th. Philosophy Talk, live at the Marsh. 